It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hi, and welcome to the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm Hillary Georgie, and I'm joined again by John Schwartz. Hi, Hillary. And Nathan Makaborski. Hello there. So we just finished signing off on the August issue of Yankees Magazine, and we're very excited, especially about our cover subject, Home Run Derby champion, Aaron Judge. And John, you wrote this story. We talked a little bit about it on the last podcast before you had gone down to Miami to to write the story. So talk to us about it now post-writing the story. I mean, you know, we had a, we, we had a pretty good hunch that he was going to put on a good show when we decided to do it. You know, he wasn't necessarily the favorite, I guess, because Giancarlo Stanton was the defending champion. But uh, I don't think anyone was terribly shocked to see Aaron Judge do what he did. And it was amazing. It was a great show. Um, the Derby is not always a great show. But this was dramatic. This was fun. People were going nuts. And it was great. And I loved uh, getting to experience it in person. I loved getting to write about it. I loved getting to see it. It was really just a fun experience. Watching it on TV, you kind of got a sense of how excited everybody is, the players included. The players seemed really into it on the sidelines, the guys who weren't participating. Did you kind of get that sense, too, that they were excited to be a part of it? Well, for, for sure. I mean, Dellen, the next day, he was Dellen was just hanging out at his locker just laughing about like just how crazy Aaron Judge is. You know, he said there's just nothing Judge can do that surprises him anymore. He said that, and I mentioned this in the story, he usually leaves after the first round. And frankly, most of the guys usually do. This time, he had no voice at the end of it. He was going crazy the whole time. He was, you know, the number one cheerleader. And obviously, you know, Castro was right there too. Severino was taking in every second of it. Gary Sanchez, who put in on an amazing show himself in the first round, he had a good time, uh, with his teammate so it was a good show for everyone for me in terms of the spectacle one of the, my favorite things to get to witness was so John Carlos Stanton from Miami and also Justin Bohr from Miami were there and so when they were doing the introductions I think everyone kind of realized that Judge was probably the biggest threat to them and he was booed a lot more so than you usually see in a home run derby. I was frankly shocked when I was watching on TV. I was like, "Are they booing him?" And like, I don't what? think Aaron Judge has ever been booed before. I no. mean, he's just not the guy. Like, I don't think Aaron Judge goes into Boston and is necessarily booed because everyone just wants to see him hit a home run. But the thing is, so Stanton loses in the first round, so he's out of the picture, and then Bohr loses to Judge in the first round, so he's out of the picture. And you could just see, like at that point, like just a light switch clicked and. All of a sudden, everyone was on board with Aaron Judge. And for the rest of the night, they were going nuts for him. And then the next night during introductions, during the All-Star game, he got this huge ovation. So it was just this one moment where I felt like, you know, the local fans had to, like, establish that he was kind of the enemy for this one, like, little stretch. But then everyone was just like, nah, you know what? We love this guy. You can't boo Aaron Judge. It's just an impossibility, I feel like. That's cool. You know, it's in the last episode we talked about being at the 2008 Home Run Derby. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget how the fans in New York are watching this event take place, and there's no Yankee involved. So they're kind of just like, all right, put on a good show. You know, give us something to, to get into. 
and Josh Hamilton took over. And by the end of the night... He, he put on a good show. He did. And, and the, the stadium just became electric. It sounds to me like after the, the hometown guys got eliminated that it was kind of a similar feeling down in Miami. You know, a guy coming from another city and hometown fans kind of looking for something to latch on to. And, I mean, when a guy puts on a show like that, you have n- no choice but to just get excited and i will say and and this is no knock on josh hamilton or the 2008 derby in any way that it is just indescribable how much better the event is now with the new format oh yeah it was impossible not to get caught up in the drama of it there's that moment at the end of the first round when you know he hit the roof with his home run and he thought that he had already won and everyone thought he had already won but then he had it and he had to jump back in with five seconds left and take one swing and of course he hits a home run but in the first round Every single, all each of the four matchups came down to the wire, came down to the last home run. It was all by one point, and so all of them had drama. And I, when I say drama, I mean like actual, literal drama, where you're sitting there and you're kind of. I was invested in my story. Obviously, it was important to me since I was down there <laughs> that Aaron Judge uh, do something, and I'm watching Justin Bohr potentially take him out in the first round. I was going to ask you, did you get nervous and, when and Bohr puts like, up 22? And of course, I was nervous. at that point. All I'm thinking is, okay, you know, Gary Sanchez is already in the second round, so maybe this will redeem <laughs> me. But I'm like, you know, there's no cheering in the press box. I'm not going to say I was cheering, but I was definitely breathing sighs of relief in the press box when uh, he got that. That last home run in the press box what was the i know there's no cheering there but i mean were, were writers and and the media as impressed by aaron judge's performance as so I, w- I was in the auxiliary box so i was in right field so i kind of was watching a ping pong match because since you're not looking dead on from home plate you know you're turning your head to see the swing and then you're turning your head to see where it lands and really quickly you need to turn your head again to see the next one coming in and again it's not the way it used to be where it was 10 outs and it would just be endless and there would be you know a minute between each swing this was just rapid fire insanity that it was so intense in each one of these and it was hard to focus on anything other than what was happening i was keeping a little chart going so i could quickly refer back to each home run and where it went and everything like that and i think i got like six of them wrong just because it was going so fast (laughs) but i will tell you every single person was into it no one was just hanging out checking their twitter feed or anything like that this was must see it was real i still can't believe i'm saying this about a home run derby but it was one of the best sporting events i've ever gotten to see it was so much fun well and it is i mean it's like it's kind of like reality tv in a sense where like you go down there you're you're hoping that a good story happens but you just don't know i mean like you said he could have you know fallen on his face at the first round who knows but uh, i think that the reactions that you saw out of the players on the sideline and everybody there i mean it was true emotion and uh, I just I love the photos that you guys came back with too. I know you went down with Jim Petrozello, and I guess he was, it looks like he was stationed kind of along the third baseline. He was on the third baseline, fearing for his life because he was on the field. Um, <laughs> he said he's never been so scared in his life. And yeah, he got amazing stuff. And really, the whole All Star Week experience. You know, he was out there, and I was out there, and you know, really got to see. From the Futures game, where you had Domingo Acevedo and Esteban Floreal, you know, they didn't play great in the game, unfortunately, but they had an amazing time. And then, you know, it was media day and the home run derby and the all-star game. Jim was really out there the whole time getting to see it all. For me, one of the things I didn't get to talk about in the story, but that I found to be among the most interesting examples of the way, you know, Judge has penetrated kind of the baseball world so the day of the home run derby in the morning or this year was in the afternoon there's a media day where each of the players sits at a table and all the writers crowd around it's not 
quite the scene of the Super Bowl where everyone's kind of like performing and wearing costumes and stuff like that. It actually is a little bit more professional. But uh, it's a zoo and it's a mess always. And one thing I can tell you from having done this a lot is that it is almost impossible at media day to talk to a Yankee because the Yankees send usually the biggest media contingent, if not the biggest, then one of the biggest. All the national writers always want the Yankees. Going back a few years, you know, the Yankees who are there, you're talking Mariano Rivera, you're talking Derek Jeter, these guys. So you could never get near a Yankee during media day. This year, you could have written a book about four of the five Yankees <laughs> who were there um, because everyone was at Aaron Judge. And I'm walking over to Luis Severino. I'm walking over to Starlin Castro. And I'm saying, it's not usually like this. You know? like, you're know. you not supposed to like be at an empty table waiting for someone to come talk to you. And they were laughing. They're having the time of their lives just watching Judge with, at a table 70 people deep while Dylan Batonsis is just kind of sitting there next to him laughing yeah, about it. Yeah, what are their thoughts about stuff like that? Like, And how does Judge handle that? Like, he's... A pro, he's a pro, obviously, but like, how do how does everybody feel about kind of the attention that he's getting now? Well, I cer- certainly think during All Star Week, his teammates loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you know, in the clubhouse before the All Star game, Dallin is just kind of holding court with four guys, just chatting, as opposed to Judge, who you know, while he's signing balls, waiting to get to his locker, there were forty of us waiting for him to just walk over and talk to us. And like any rational human, he saw that and said, "I don't want to go do that. I'm gonna." <laughs> no, thank you, please. <laughs> I'm going to take my time a little bit because that looks horrible. <laughs> as for Judge, I think it's wearing on him a little bit. I think as the season's going on, it's getting a little harder. I think that Lord knows every single day he's answering the same question. I think he was a little bit relieved when the home run derby was over, so we could stop being asked about the home run derby, and then. You know, he went into like a little week-long slump after the Derby, and then he broke out of it by hitting a ball off the Space Needle in Seattle. And I'm sure he was pretty relieved to do that. You know, it's like every day he's getting the same thing, and everyone walks over to him thinking that they have some very unique question, which he's probably answered 14 times that day. I get into this in the piece a lot. He doesn't enjoy talking about himself. Or if he does, he acts like he doesn't enjoy talking about himself. He always wants to deflect everything. It really... I know that this is overdone and whatever. I apologize. But it is a lot like Derek Jeter in that way. You know, you ask him about the home run derby, he's going to talk to you about Danilo Valiente as pitcher. You ask him about his improvements with his strike zone, he's going to talk about Alan Cockrell. That's just the way he is. He's going to talk about his support staff. His support, he's going to talk about his teammates, the people who are supporting him. He's just going to keep saying, you know, I'm just a, you know, I'm a kid from California having the time of my life. And that's charming and it's, you know, cute and fun, whatever. It's not the easiest way to get to know a guy, really. And I think that he's going to start deflecting in that way more and more as it goes along, just because you have to. I mean, he's not the guy anymore who came up in August of last year and wowed everyone with that home run in his first at bat. You know, now he's the center of attention for the entire league, essentially. And I, I don't think that can possibly not wear on. Yeah, it's got to be hard, and it's and this is remember a twenty five year old guy who so. still who, who who still does not have a year of service time. Exactly, he's just a a young guy who is taking the world by storm right now, and good for him. But like, also, it must be tough. So, and really, one of the funniest things about the whole experience, and it shouldn't nothing should be taken away from this. Gary Sanchez put on an amazing show in the home run derby when he took out John Carlos Stanton. You know, he's had an amazing season coming back from the injury. His numbers are really, really among the best catchers in the league. He takes out Stanton in this thing. And I mean, you would have thought that he was like a double A Royals affiliate from the attention (laughs) he was getting during this thing. And again, I don't think he minds necessarily. I think most of these guys are pretty happy to let Judge uh, deal with it all. But what Sanchez did 
in the Derby was amazing. And it kind of was an afterthought to a lot of people, unfortunately, because it deserves to be recognized. Yeah. Well, there was a lot going on in Miami and a lot to cover. And, John, you did an awesome job. I mean, this is, like, one of my favorite cover stories that we've had in a long time. It's called Rise Up. It's in the August issue of Yankees Magazine. And as Hillary mentioned at the top, we just kind of finished off editing and proofing this issue. And, you know, when we get to this stage, you know, we're looking for, uh, as an editor, I'm looking for, like, last, you know, hopefully there's no mistakes or anything. But I'm also kind of looking at it as if I were a subscriber and I'm getting this thing in the mail. And this issue from front to back, I'm just, like... I'm in love with this is like just I think it's a great issue it's one of the best we've done this season and another all-star who didn't get into the game but is a you know another feature that I love in this is your piece on Severino which I thought was terrific what made you want to do a story on Luis Severino my fascination I guess you'd call it goes back to the beginning of this year when the Yankees went into spring training and there was two open spots in the rotation and Severino walked in with a lot of questions. People assumed he would get the job just because he had it last year and he is thought of as a starter, but nobody knew if he was going to be successful, especially after the struggles he had. And I was in the same boat. I was like, well, he'll probably be one of the starters. And I talked to him in spring training and he was confident enough that he would get there. And he did. And then it was kind of wait and see. It was like, what's going to happen? Is how long is he going to last? And he has been one of the best pitchers on this team this entire season. And it's been really fun to watch him, the way that he has consistently been able to get hitters out in a way that he wasn't able to last year. And that's really what made me want to talk to him and do a story about him. Like, what changed from one year to the next? What did you have to work on to flip the switch in the way that he did? Yeah. Now, Hillary, you did the interview with him in English, correct? I did, yes. Which, I mean, first off, you know, kudos to him. That's really impressive. Um, I was really taken in by how bracing his quotes were in some ways. I mean, there's one that has stuck out with me that, you know, if it weren't for, you know, this being kind of Aaron Judge's moment, I think he could have just put this quote on the cover. You know, I had the chance to be a starter and I lost it. Yep. You read it and you can kind of get a sense for it. But how was he in that conversation? I really didn't know what to expect because I didn't have too many interactions with Luis going into this interview where we sat down for 15 minutes together in the dugout and we were just talking. Um, so I didn't know what to expect. I knew he wanted to do it in English and I was like, cool. I was game for that. But I was expecting him to be a little more reserved, especially because we both knew that a lot of what I was going to focus on was his struggles last year and how he fixed it. And most guys do not want to talk about their struggles, but he was so open and so self-reflecting in that he knew exactly what went wrong last year. He had thought a lot about it and he was so disappointed in himself. And you could, you could hear that in the conversation that we had together. I know that how the staff to be, you know, uh, majorly seven pitchers so I don't know what was going on he just wanted so badly to be a starter and to be successful and to help the team win he didn't want two months of success in 2015 to be the only success that people remembered him having as a starting pitcher for the Yankees and he knew that he could play in the bullpen he could pitch out of the bullpen and he could be successful that's not what he wanted and you could see that in talking to him he's like I could do that and I just want to be in the big leagues but I want to be a starter I want to take the ball I love pitching I love getting guys out and really I mean his his kind of mantra through the whole thing is this is where I belong yes. this is where I should be I think it's kind of 
hard for a young player to say that when it's not going that well or when at least you know it, it didn't go that well do you think that his success this year has colored his impressions of what happened last year or is he just you know a generally open person and optimistic in a sense like is it easier for him to say these things to you because he was an all-star this year and because he's doing well I think it's certainly easier I mean he I had talked to him right after he had had a, a tough outing in Houston he lost a game and but like immediately after the game he had been named to the all-star game so it was kind of like a weird scenario where he had a rough day on the mound but then successful off the mound so he was in a in a in a weird mood and he knew I think he's very open in general and he's open to talking about everything that he's feeling and everything that he's thinking and this is still a young kid he's only 23 years old but he was happy to talk no matter what you asked him and I kept at bracing myself for him to just shut me down because I kept being like but like you really were not good last year <laughs> and why were you not good last year <laughs> and he was like he answered every single question and he would laugh with me and he would be introspective and he would say listen maybe I didn't work hard enough and maybe I wasn't focused enough and maybe I was just riding too high and I didn't try hard enough and it was really fascinating for me to sit there listening to this 23 year old be so mature in his attitude and know that what he wanted to do was not what he was doing and that he needed to fix it and he was willing to do that maybe I didn't work hard enough when I command the offseason like I did this year because I feel that I need it this year so I work a lot harder than last year so I think that was the difference what a lot of the guys that I talked to in the clubhouse really harpened on when I talked to them. They said Luis Severino's work ethic is what sets him apart from everybody else. Everybody knows that Luis Severino has good stuff. He is he has a lightning arm, and he can get guys out whenever he wants to. It's does he want to, and I think he proved to everybody that he really does. Yeah, I like how the feature looks at the changes that he made both you know, from a technical standpoint – as well as the mental standpoint. And it, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. You know, I don't know what came first, you know, the, the, the trust and the confidence or the, the results. Um, they kind of sort of fed off each other, it seemed like. But the technical part, maybe, you know, you could talk a little bit about, you know, what was the physical mechanical adjustment that he made from last year to this year? Sure. Um, so last year, watching him, he's not, he doesn't have an overly complicated delivery, at least not to me. He last year would start with his hands belt high, and then he would push his hands out away from himself and then bring his right arm back to deliver his pitch. And then in the off season, he talked to Pedro Martinez. Of all people. Of all people. Pedro Martinez, the Yankee killer, <laughs> Hall of Fame pitcher. And Pedro said, we can streamline this. And Luis Severino was open to anything at this point because he just wasn't, he wasn't consistently getting people out. And so Pedro told Luis to not push his hands out. Instead, he would go from starting his windup with his hands belt high and his outward movement is now very limited. He almost just immediately takes his right hand back and throws the pitch. And that is what Pedro said would give him more consistency with his command on his fastball. And it would allow him to more trust where he was going to put his changeup. His 
Luis last year did not trust his changeup. He had said every time he threw it, he thought it was going to be a home run or a ball. So he didn't want to throw the changeup. And so Pedro told him, do this with your delivery and just throw the changeup over and over and over again until you are comfortable throwing it. And that's what Luis did over the offseason. He worked on it. He said every day he just threw changeups every day and worked on his delivery and streamlined his motion. And the results, I think, you can see them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from, from, you know, sitting in a, on a bus ride to Buffalo right. and 12 months later being in, you know, named an all-star. I mean, what a difference a year makes. I think it's really interesting too. You know, we're kind of in an era right now with StatCast where it's so result focused in a lot of ways. And obviously baseball is result focused, but now, you know, we're able to say, you know, he released this ball at exactly this and it mid midway through the, from the mound to the plate, it was this and it was hit going this speed and you can tell everything that happens in the game, but then it comes down to how did a guy move his arms in the middle of his windup, and how can this take a, a guy who was, again, in the minors last year to an all-star game? Right. You know, it, it, there's so many small, tiny little bits of process, you know, that go into the results, which we're getting better and better at realizing, you know, and maybe it takes a Hall of Fame pitcher like Pedro Martinez to look at this now and say, hey, man, maybe you don't move your arms that much, and that's going to turn you into an all-star. Right. When I was researching the story and I was going back to his starts last year and watching a, a few of his starts and and then comparing it to this year, I almost didn't even see a difference. Yeah. And then when Luis told me what exactly it was and I focused in, I was like, oh, yeah, he's not really moving. He's not pushing his arms out anymore. And that tiny detail that I would have missed literally every other time I watched him is apparently the difference, that and the confidence that Luis Severino has now. It's one of those amazing things when you talk to some of the guys or hear about some of the guys who are amazing at uh, picking up when a pitcher is tipping or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's literally as simple as, you know, just like, you know, a little flick of the pinky in his glove and you would never in a million years see it. And one thing I read is that, you know, one of the best ways to spot that stuff is to look through one of the tiny holes in your hat and just put it in your eye and look through those tiny holes because it focuses you so clearly on the pitcher and only the pitcher that you can really see it. And that little tiny thing can turn a pitcher who's an all-star into a guy who gives up 15 runs in a game just because he's showing a tiny little bit that tells you, I'm throwing you a fastball right now. And it's just, <laughs> it really, it's a pretty fun game That's to incredible. get into the details of. Wow. And I got I, I, just to piggyback on what you said, Nate. I love this story. I think it's really just a great look at this guy. He's interesting. He's open, like you said. I mean, he's really, really, really reflective. Um, I hope everyone reads it. It's called Back to Basics, and it's tremendous. Yeah, he's just got a great attitude in general about everything. So. I was blown away by him, and he's just a nice guy, very open, very friendly. Just he just wants to play. I mean, I love everything. I love, you know, uh, when you're pitching, you're the star. And mm -hmm. you don't throw the ball, nothing can happen. So I love that. I love, you know, striking out people. I love uh, getting out. I love when I had to strike, the people started sharing. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I'm happy to see that he's playing and he's doing well. And he, he's enjoying it. He's enjoying spending the time with a lot of the guys he came up with, too. So mm -hmm. cool. There's a lot of those guys. <laughs> there is many. There are many, many of those guys now. So it's a fun team. I like it. What do you think of, uh, you know, seems like kind of it was a little rough coming out of the break, but now hopefully things are turning around for this team. We're in the midst of a pretty good size homestand right now. What do you guys expect to be seeing here? I think we've uh, we've 
weathered the uh, weathered the storm. I think we got through the worst <laughs> part of the season, and I now hope so. uh, you I know hope things so. are things are going to be on the up and up. I'm interested to see what you know if there's any additional moves that we make to the roster. Uh, I, I like the trade that we did recently, bringing David Robertson back to New York, um, bringing Todd Frazier in and Tommy Canley. I, I, I feel like this team is. Uh, you know, they have postseason aspirations, and there's no reason not to. I gotta say, last year at this time, I was writing about the uh, 2016 trade deadline, and I got really lucky because uh, Brian Cashman and Gene Afterman really opened up to me a lot more than I expected about literally how all this stuff happens. And obviously, last year at the trade deadline, a lot happened. But literally now, like I'm like watching these rumors come in through that kind of like prism of like trying to think about all the different stuff they tell me about the conversations that really are what they look like in you know Moneyball and stuff like that where there's a bunch of people crowded around a phone and they're all sending back texts to each other with all the details of you know does this work does this work does this work and in my head you know I'm obviously not in the room with them right now but I'm kind of wondering you know how crazy things are going right now because it's funny you know we, we're in the stadium we, we work here it's probably 200 feet from where we are right now to where Brian Cashman's sitting but, you know, we're getting our news from Twitter and ESPN just like everyone else. So right. it'll be an interesting week as this trade deadline comes around. I'm excited. I'm excited about the way the team is going. I read this morning, talking about the homestand, I mean, people who come to Yankee Stadium get a good show when the Yankees are in town because Judge is a monster in the Bronx. Uh, Didi's having an amazing year, kind of under the radar, flying at shortstop. He's one of the best shortstops, gold glove caliber at shortstop and Todd Frazier his first week at home is going to be exciting I think it's it's going to be an interesting homestand for sure interesting second half of the season hopefully hopefully a lot of good stories to write about yeah and if you have any suggestions or ideas or feedback be sure to let us know if there's something you want to hear on the podcast or or see in Yankees magazine you can reach us at podcast at yankees.com and and follow us on twitter at yanks magazine and, and just read the magazine in general. Just read the magazine. If you come to Yankee Stadium, get a magazine. Aaron Judge is on the cover of it this month, and it's a great photo. So, I mean, just get it for that. <laughs> and there's a cool photo essay inside, too. We didn't even talk about the photo essay. There is. And the fact that this is the first time Aaron Judge is appearing solo on the cover of Yankees magazine makes it, you know, a little bit of a collector's item. I He's, think so. This is his third cover, but he's been on with Ronald Torres, and mm-hmm. he's been on with... Uh, Severino and Greg Bird. The rest of the baby and, bombers, yeah. as they were called last year. Yeah. And who am I? Who was the fourth guy on Greg there? Bird, Sanchez. Severino Sanchez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is his first solo cover probably, of Yankees magazine. Probably not the last. Probably not. <laughs> I yeah. think he'll be back. <laughs> he might be back again. You might see this face a couple more times. We'll mm-hmm. see. Do you uh, think he's ever going to do the Derby again? He's got to defend the crown do next you th- year. I was just, do you think he has to defend the crown? What's the upside for him in doing it? Well, let's go back to Nate. You wrote a story about him. He just wants to grow the game of baseball, right? If he's serious about that, Mm -hmm, which I think he is. This is the ratings for the home run derby this year were through the roof. Millions more people watched it because of the Aaron Judge show. So I don't know. I think it's a lot of responsibility to put on his shoulders, though. I mean, well, I think let's see how he does uh, coming out of it. You know, here in (laughs) July and August, but. I think, you know, unless there's something we don't know about it, uh, about him not enjoying that experience, I can't imagine he wouldn't be interested in, in going back and trying to defend the crown next year. Well, seeing as how it's in Washington next year, I have to hope uh, Bryce Harper will be in there. So for that reason alone, I think it would be really cool to yeah. see a judge defend it. But we shall see. Yep. 
All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.